While you might have heard his name associated with terms like new country or breakthrough artist, Walker Hayes is anything but new to country music. In 2005, after completing his music degree at Birmingham Southern College, Walker and his wife Lainey moved to Nashville, where he could pursue a career in songwriting. He quickly received a publishing contract at Mercury Records Nashville, but it wasn't too long before he would switch to Capitol Records, where he would sign as not only a songwriter, but an artist. His first single, Pants, was released in December of 2010. The song would see minor success, debuting at number 60 on the Hot Country chart, and although cementing Walker Hayes' place as an artist, it wasn't until 2016, after signing with Monument Records, that Walker would release his first true breakout single. You can't crash my party with your sorrows and what always don't be raining on my Mardi Gras. Mixing a catchy staccato rhythm with slapstick phraseology, You Broke Up With Me would go double platinum. At surface value, the track is a tongue-in-cheek heartbreak song. But as it turned out, it was actually about Walker's Nashville experience. I've been in Nashville a long time. I've lost record deals, and I lost a big one about six years ago, and a lot of friends vanished. When things started going well again, they started hitting me up. Hey, you want to write? You want to have coffee, etc.? And I was like, hey, y'all broke up with me. Hey, you broke up with me. Yeah, what can I say, baby? As a songwriter, Walker has learned the value of writing with personal authenticity, aka the exact thing that created the success out of You Broke Up With Me, and now a track that would dominate both the country and pop charts and go viral on TikTok. Yeah, we fancy like Applebee's on a date night. My name is Eric Zachary. This is the Spot Podcast, where famous people spot off about more than they're famous for. And today, that's Walker Hayes. Fancy light. Hey man, this is this is very overdue because I worked in country radio for five years and I was doing a lot of it remote, so I never got the chance to formally interview you. But I I played right. you broke up with me. I want to get this number right. I think like twenty three thousand four hundred and forty eight ah. times, give or take. Dude, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for that. That was a shoot. That that song was huge for us. We didn't. We had no idea, man, that, that people were going to like that one. But I'm pretty sure we briefly, there's no way you'll remember this, we briefly met over FaceTime through my friend in Boston. I was with him, and I think he was calling you to, like, congratulate you. Oh! And you broke up with me, shit. and we were in a hotel lobby. Heck I was yeah. like, what's up, Walker? I've never met you. That's but... awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's awesome, long, dude. Long overdue. Hey, man, congratulations on, uh, well, pff, everything. But we'll start, we'll start it down to order, right? So, of course, the new EP. Yeah country stuff you have the single with the same title which was already doing crazy awesome and then just like tiktok coming in here and going you know what you're ready to play shows again let's give you a little extra energy a little extra boost for those shows yeah crazy dude it's insanity i mean i was just talking to people kind of on the way in here today and saying it's it's insane but i'm honest honestly i'm like what was i doing three weeks ago you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's it is just remarkable the the shift that a career and a you know a business and music can take in just a blink. You know that's the beauty. I mean, I feel like that's kind of the beauty of this this industry we're in. You know, even you is like you kind of wake up every day and in the back of your mind you're like, 
what will come of this, you know, that, that we create, you know, you, you take nothing and then you leave that day and a song exists and your hope is, and your dream is that one day the masses are singing along, you know, and somehow you tapped a nerve that they, they, that they needed tapped, you know? And so it's crazy, but that's really how I feel is I'm like, what, what in the world was I doing like three and a half weeks ago before all this happened? Cause now it's just, the trajectory of the shows this fall, I just didn't see this coming. I mean, it's it's about to get crazy. Well, it, it changes everything. And I, I like that you keep referring to three weeks ago, right? I saw an interview, I think it was right after the EP release. Right. And you were like, hey, I really, really, really like obviously country stuff, but I'm excited for to see people's reaction to Fancy Like. Yeah. And then yeah. sure enough, you know, three weeks later, it's not a reaction to Fancy Like. <laughs> it's, it's its own entity basically it you know it's crazy it, it is it's it's a thing like fancy like is is just its own planet i mean it's yeah it's but and you're right i do i'm glad you said that i mean people are always like did you people have been asking me did i know no how how could you i you don't know you know you you're hopeful you're like man i hope people mm-hmm. agree with me and that Fancy Like could be one of their favorites. I mean, I still love, I mean, I love the whole EP. You know, every song is delightful. It's special to me. I put them on there for a reason. When I got the final mix to Fancy Like, I was visiting, I was actually with my parents. My dad actually died March 22nd. And while I was down there for the funeral and everything, we got the final mix to Fancy Like. And I put my headphones on, and when that chorus dropped, yeah, I was like, "Look, I don't know what's going on, but but that's that makes me feel something incredible." So I put it on each of my kids, and I played till it got to that chorus, and I watched all their faces as soon as it hit the word Applebee's. <laughs> I was like, "This is special." I was like, "This is doing something to them right there at that moment," and yeah. I think that's what's happening. But dude, yeah, the dance. Who knew? I mean, Leela and I have been doing those the whole COVID. Like, I we had never had one, you know, pop off like that. Hadn't been, we had been doing them to other songs and stuff. Not a lot of original stuff, but it's life changing, man, for sure. It's 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 one of the most unique social medias in the sense where you know, end of the day, right? And this is why I like talking to country artists specifically. Um, you know, the music is truly about the music. It's not so much a business, and not that it is with every artist by any means, but it's just a little more still traditional. And I think TikTok, as vulgar as some of it can be, and as wild as some of it can be, it truly is still a very organic social media, right? It doesn't matter if you have 2 million followers, they'll still say, nope, that's not going viral. Like it truly is the last platform where you can't control the marketing behind it. It, The people are either going to accept it or not. You know, you have Instagram ads, you have Facebook ads. I mean, you have the whole label game when it comes to getting a song on the radio, but TikTok is just, do the people like it or not? Are they into it? Are they not? And there's no bounds of genres. There's no bounds of the artists. It's just, do they want to do the dance? Do they, do they relate to it? And I, I I can't think of a song that checks more boxes that more people can relate to than fancy. Like, well, I love honestly, all those, I love all those things you're saying. I mean, I haven't analyzed kind of the pros and cons of each social social media platform, but everything you just said is really great for me because I personally thrive under being really just being really comfortable and I'm most comfortable when I'm when it's not calculated, when it's not curated, when it's not 
pristine. I just don't, you know, I, even the songs on the EP, like you take a song like Cry or I Hope You Miss Me and it's perfect. But to me, it lacks those lack kind of like the rawness of country stuff and fancy like. And that's what social, that's what TikTok is for me. It's like not many takes. There's not a lot of lights and stuff. I'm just in my house and I'm like, yo, let's do this. Bam. There it is. You know what I mean? And I think people respond, like you just said, it's just artists to the people. That's it. There's no middleman. There's no, no, it's not an advertisement. It's not a, it's not business. It's just like, oh, I literally, bam, that dude did it. And it got to me. And you're right. As I watched that video of Leela and I, there's something magic about like, there's something like Leela's just, she's not dressed up. She's just like wearing what she wore that day. And I am too. I think we had left church that day. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, let's pop. Let's she, she said, let's do a, Fancy like needs a dance. We just came up with it. Didn't overthink it. Like the moves aren't hard. And you're right. The people get to respond how they really respond. You know, there's no manipulation in the numbers. It's just did it check check off all the boxes where they they want to see it and learn it. And so, yeah, dude. I mean, we got we got lucky. But what a what a blessing, you know, for an artist like me that that outlet exists, because otherwise, you know, we're trying to thread it through these avenues that have parameters and walls and politics and stuff. And uh, yeah, politicless TikTok, you know, Come on. I feel like that's a phrase you got to be very, very careful when you say it in verbal. Yeah, yeah. Be, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's authentic, man. I think you know, time and time again, we've gone in this vicious circle. I'm not saying we, but just the, the industry of music, of entertainment. How can I get this stuck in someone's head? Yeah. And I think people are reminded again and again that it's it's the authenticity of a dad and his daughter doing a dance. It. And it, it doesn't read as like, okay, what move could we do here that people will like to do? It's like, no, we're just being goofballs. We're just screwing around. We're having fun. And it's, dude, and it's crazy. And then, you know what? Like you were just talking about, about the business, it'll be something else. You know, and and um, what's funny is somebody always figures it out. You know, you know somebody <laughs> for always, about a week. Yeah. yeah, you know, somebody always blows up on these platforms, and 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 if we're lucky, a lot of people do. You know, but then it, then 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 it then eventually it'll lose its luster, and there'll be another way. You know, and it, honestly, I was just talking to my my publishers, the the people who signed me to write songs five years ago and we were just we're just blown away we're just you know it's it's just like this is what you this is what you wake up going hey maybe maybe today's you know you do this and and we're doing it you know we're watching a song defy all of our expectations i mean every day we wake up and honestly we've gotten to where we're like for fun let's predict what it this looks like monday and we're always well beneath what we predicted and it's and it's just a song being out there and the people taking it i'm not working that hard right now you know we're just watching this happen so thank god for listeners man you know and for people who like music you know and press rewind and i mean it's it's just it's awesome it's it's very natural validation too because it's not forced it's not someone hey i love your song it's it's them showing you that they love it too. 
And, you know, by, by no means are we, you know, taking shots at the industry that we work in. Hey, it pays our bills. And I mean, no. it's something that we have to do, but it's just an ever-changing evolution. So for you to be able to participate in kind of that new wave very organically without like the, the marketing mindset and it works is just like double down. It's an extra cool feeling. Totally, totally. And that's, you know, to, to me, that's what all my heroes I mean, I, I hate to not give them credit for calculating their success, but, you know, I think that's how all my heroes succeeded is it's kind of like they accidentally were who the world needed to hear and somehow they got through, you know, to the masses. And, and as you know, a veteran of this business, the, that method, that path, that uh, outlet changes on a weekly basis and people find new ones all the time. And it is, like you just said, it's very affirming to wake up and be like, well, what'd you do to do that? And I, and just be like, I was just myself. That's the most fun about this song is it's just about my family. I and mean, that's just what me and my wife do. And um, that's just, that's how we roll. And I wrote it. I got to write about it and people are responding. This episode of The Spot Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. This world that we're living in isn't easy. Doesn't matter who you are. We're all dealing with our own level of depression or anxiety or stress or trauma, just trying to make it day by day. And that's okay. But you shouldn't have to do that alone. That's where BetterHelp comes in, right? They're not a crisis line. This isn't self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. You can send a message off anytime to your licensed counselor, and you're going to get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, whatever you prefer, whatever's the easiest way for you to connect with someone. That's what BetterHelp is, a sounding board. Licensed professional counselors who specialize in these things that we're dealing with day by day. Everything you share is confidential. It's convenient, it's professional, and it's affordable. It can be hard to admit, but if you're like me, sometimes you just need to talk to someone. And that doesn't mean a family member or a friend. That means someone that knows what they're doing and that has an unbiased professional desire to help. So if you're like me and you want to start living a happier life today, right now, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor, betterhelp.com slash spout. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash spout. It's so relatable without feeling like you're trying too hard to be relatable. Does that make sense? Right. You know, I yeah. mean, a, a lot of country music in general, you know, there's a certain lifestyle that comes with an audience that consumes it on a daily basis. Country stuff is a perfect example of that. You know, obviously you're relating to people that wake up, that go fishing, that kind of thing. But, you know, if you're not in country, you might go, okay, well, I've never been fishing in my life. Right. Everyone has thought about stopping an Applebee's. <laughs> like, I don't care how much money you have. Everyone's tried dipping their fry in a Frosty at Wendy's. <laughs> I think the only yeah. thing that could have hit me a little harder is if you mentioned like a cheesy gordita crunch at Taco Bell. That's literally it. Uh, nice. Yeah. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's in the remix, but <laughs> dude, you make a solid point and I'm just going to be completely vulnerable here. I mean, sometimes it is tempting in a writer's room to go, what, what do the most people like, you know? Cause you're like, Hey, if I throw a dart and I hit that bullseye, then we grab this many people, you know, with that one phrase, but you're exactly right. When we were writing fancy, like I was not sitting around going, how many people actually like fries in a frosty? Yeah. One of my kids doesn't like it, you know, <laughs> but some of them do. So I could have been like, ah, nah, Let's not get that specific, but I love, you make a great point. Like 
there is a point as a writer if you when you're writing every day you 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 have that temptation to go I don't know if I want to tell the whole truth here because not everybody might be like me you know so I don't want to lose mm-hmm. and and you're right that that song it does have an unforced relatability whereas I hear how you could hear country stuff and you might go ah he just filled in the blanks you know, with stuff that country people like, which is funny <laughs> because I, I didn't. It's, it's not the case, but it's it's just, it can come off that way to like someone that's not in country music or not in the South or in that world. Exactly, exactly. You're like, hey, I'm going to write a country song. Well, I'm definitely going to put a gun in it and a fishing rod and, it, and it, will, it, will, it will be in a truck, you know? And so, you know, some of those points are easy to hit and seem a little like, paint by numbers but to me fancy like just sounds like everybody who kind of grew up near or in a strip mall town like that's that's just what that's his life was you know I, I remember in high school my mom and dad used to get so mad because I would steal his credit card and go to Applebee's with a friend you know and he'd be like what are you eating there you know and I was like <laughs> Burger Street steak man I'm I go all out it's on you dad you know, and um, he, he's not even mad. He's just confused at how much money you were able to spend at Applebee's. He was. He was like, why is the why is it always like 16 bucks? You know, and I was like, artichoke dip, <laughs> Bourbon Street State, Oreo shake. But uh, that's one cool thing about my team and um, the music I'm allowed to write is they really encourage me to get specific. Like if you listen to the EP. There's a song called Briefcase about my dad. You know, I'm, I I don't want to make you my mad, but I didn't write that for anybody but me. I just had to get that out. And what I've noticed is that a lot of people are they feel they feel convicted by that song in a beautiful way, or they they can relate in a beautiful way. They're challenged in a beautiful way, which you know that's the point that my team's always trying to make to me is. Just write about what you know. You know, I know it's so cliche, but don't expand. Don't stretch it. Don't write about what you wish you knew. Just write about what you know, and it'll and it'll get to those people's hearts. And that's what Briefcase is doing out there right now. Well, and you said, too, with Fancy, like, you know, it's kind of a very unforced relatability, but so is Briefcase. You know, I, I have a sick dad, and so I hear that, and I go, he's not writing a sad song. You know, it it's, yeah. it doesn't have sad chords to it. I mean, you could play a certain chord on a piano and you could get someone to cry if you're in the right mood, right? Yeah. But that song doesn't come off that way. It is it is a memoir. It is a... It, it, did you write it before he passed too? I did. I did. I wrote it and uh, I'm getting goosebumps actually just listening to you talk because it, it... My my purpose for the song was to not write this unrealistic ode to a perfect father it was to be honest because in in my personal opinion an honest relationship is the most loving when you can say hey you're not perfect I'm not perfect but we're gonna be imperfect together forever and that's where my father and I were able to come to over time and understanding as, as, as life gave me wisdom and forgiveness and stuff like that. But I appreciate you saying that. It's not a it's not a sad song. I just wanted to be honest with everybody and you know, I think as you as you get older, you might you can learn. You know, it's 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 not sad to look back and go, 
I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. You know, maybe treat my dad the way I did as a as an adolescent. Maybe that wasn't so great. Maybe I didn't get it. And maybe I'm actually proud now, even though I said as a kid, you know, I don't want to be like him. I'm actually proud. You know, I get I get proud when my mom's like, hey, you're just like your dad. And I'm like, that's that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of the same moments I do. You know, my relationship with my father and kind of what I ended up doing versus what he did a little more one-to-one than yours, but still similar in a sense where like, we actually have a running joke that maybe the microphone didn't fall too far from the stand. So when you say, you know, maybe the guitar isn't that far from the briefcase, you know, that that, no, that hit. But my dad was a disc jockey and he was a, a music coordinator in restaurants and whatnot. And then I ended up in music business and, and hosting and interviewing. So kind of yeah. hearing that, it, it wasn't a song where I went, oh, that equals this in my life. It just, it was immediately my song. And oh, I talked wow. to quite a few songwriters and I know that there's kind of this careful balance where like, when does a song become the audience's? Because you live with it, you sit with it, you write it, you listen to it a thousand times before anyone else does. Right. But when you put it out, is that something that is still always yours? Or once it's out, is it all about seeing how it affects other people for you? You know, that one will always be mine. I think the timing of it, writing it writing it while I was losing my dad, I will always see visuals of losing him with that song. I will always also reminisce. One of my favorite lines in the song is, but I love the sound that his keychain made when he got home in the evening. Because I remember that so vividly. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, I remember that as like a five-year-old. I just remember his, the cadence and his slow steps coming up the wooden stairs on the side of our house, hearing his keys jingle. Dude had like a million keys as a, as a realtor back then. But man, I mean, the song, I give the songs to people and, and my grandest hope, it, which is probably unrealistic, with every song, but is that it points to something eternal and is healing. Like, for instance, one of my favorite reactions would be like, hey, I heard that song and I called my dad. Hey, I lost my dad and that reminds me of him. You know what I mean? And obviously that song is no longer mine. It's ours. That's a beautiful thing. I just love to make people think after I've thought, because that's the joy I got from writing that song is to sit and remember my dad's the sound of his keychain and remember him always standing there with a briefcase and remember my kind of stupidity and ignorance and laugh at myself as a as a 17 year old going, I, I could do this myself, dad. I don't need your help. I don't want to be like you. And then to laugh at myself when I have kids and and I have dreams and go, Wow, my dad was a lot smarter than I thought he was. And he was a lot more patient. You know, that line in the song where it says, I know I held it against him throwing that baseball against the steps, but he didn't hold it against me because I wasn't a father yet. You know, and my my dad always was very forgiving and patient with me as a kid, even though I was a little bit rebellious. But man, songs are not. It's funny. I think when you write them, you, you're like, ah, oh, this is for me. This is my journal. I'm, I'm letting this out. This is therapeutic. And then it's a very gratifying feeling to hear the world respond and go, no, nah, that's my, that was my song. You know, I wasn't even thinking about you. It's funny how life works. And as cliche as that sounds, I mean, just earlier in our talk, when you said you got the final mix of the EP at your dad's funeral. Yeah. I'm not trying to draw more emotions than we have to out of you right now, but just that I can't even begin to 
to fathom how beautifully perfect that is. Yeah. You know, to hear the final mix of briefcase in this this moment of vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't listen. I mean, I I shed many tears. You know, trying to listen to that. Um, I've shed many tears trying to sing it. When was the first time that you were able to listen to it after he passed and it wasn't so much of a, a tearful moment as it was truly a happy remembrance? You know, we when we did we did the video after he passed and I sat with the briefcase and, and thumbed through pictures. And as I did that, I actually remembered the night dad died my mom and I went through just a, a black hole of photos. You know, we went up, we, not the night he died, the night we buried him uh, or did, you know, did his service and stuff. We sat upstairs next to this huge chest full of photos and just went through, you know, together. And we just cried and laughed and some of my kids would trickle in and we'd show them to them and laugh and um, just kind of went through history and, the first time I played the song, though actually the second time I played the song live, my mother was side stage in, in Panama City. And I couldn't even play the guitar. I mean, I, I was just, I was a wreck, but a good wreck. You know, I, I, I got through the song and, and I don't watch the video. I watched the video once and I was like, that's the last time I watched that. That That's that's the last time I'm going to see that. Yeah, but you know, man, it is. It, it, like you said, dude, the, the, that cliche is cliche for a reason. It is funny how life works. And I'll probably, I, I'm, I'm going to try to say this without just bawling, but I wish my dad could see how much our relationship impacts people you know how how much we together and just I, you know i wish too he was here i know he sees it i just wish i could see him see it i know he would be so proud and excited because he always knew i had something to offer you know musically it never mattered him like the success he, he was so proud of me for pursuing just this wild dream. I think he always stood back a little baffled by just the, the the path that my wife and I took. And I think he was always, he just genuinely enjoyed watching us try and dream and chase it. But the fact that, that I lost him and that this happened, I don't know. It's just been a, a weird emotional year and uh, and I think it's a beautiful thing, man. You know, I got to over I honestly over COVID, it was such a blessing. I was able to be with my dad and I was sitting next to him with a guitar when he died. And that was hands down the most beautiful, precious moment in my entire life, uh, you know, and um, yeah, it's just been a magical year for us, despite you know, the sad circumstances. But yeah, man, it's it was crazy timing, writing briefcase. He never got to hear it as dad. You know, his mind was, he didn't know who I was when we finished that song, but I know he can hear it. He got some new ears. <laughs> now, now I'm trying not to get choked up. You know, I, I don't need to hear more than that as someone probably in a very similar situation. Yeah. Oh man, I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's, just hearing you say that sentence, I already know like there's probably a one one to one comparisons. And yeah, you know, my dad's in a research study right now. He's literally on his way to a Chicago university right now for that. So wow, the, the funniness, the beauty, beauty of everything, just 
you know, the, the higher powers that, that are me getting the chance to talk to you after five years where essentially this should have happened, you know, countless times when you're doing radio runs and I was on the stations and whatnot in Chicago and Boston and Sacramento for it to happen right now is, yeah, it means a lot. It really does. That's nuts, man. I'm, I'm so sorry. And that is, um, it was weird, you know, and you, you're probably going with this too. It's like, it's like you lose them before you lose them. You know, it's, it's, um, and that's almost kind of a blessing. I feel like if you lost it all at once, um, which some people do, you know, some some people lose loved ones suddenly. But, man, I don't know. Like, like you said, it's funny how life works. I don't believe in accidents, man. So I'm glad we're talking today. I, I will definitely say a prayer for you and your and your family, as I know that that is that is not fun. There are funny things, though, that happen that you got to laugh at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to find the humor in it, man. You have to. My dad, he was full of zingers. They didn't always make sense. But I was like, dude, <laughs> I need to record some of this stuff he's saying. Wow, man. I uh, I, I could talk to you for hours and I, I look forward to be able to meet in person so we can have, you know, further dialogue about this in private. But um, come on, Walker, man. Thank you so much for taking the time and, and for being so open. Thank you. Thanks for a great just conversation and fellowship i appreciate it and it's wild man i'm sure we'll talk about this again oh yeah walker hayes thank you so much sir appreciate it thanks Eric. right on have a good one see more of our conversation with walker hayes at spout underscore podcast on ig and twitter or at spoutpodcast.com next week dixie d'amelio spouts off I spent most of my life in public school, but I switched to private school my last Mm -hmm. three years. And we actually had really, like, really good lunches. Like, we had sushi days. Oh, my God. All right. We will not relate to that. Still to come this season, Addison Ray, Sean Mendez, Normani, and more. Be sure to listen to the Spout Podcast every Thursday night at 9 on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Google Podcast. The Spout Podcast is presented by Alpha Media and created by Phil Becker. Spout.